Andy, my dude, have you heard of the magical website builder known as Squarespace? Ugh, not another Squarespace ad. I feel like every podcast is sponsored by them. <laughs> hey, 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 don't knock it till you try it. Yes, okay, it is overhyped. But actually, it lives up to the hype. Squarespace is like a website fairy godmother. With a click of a button, your site transforms into a beautiful masterpiece. A website fairy godmother? That sounds interesting. What makes it so magical? Well, for starters, those slick templates make anyone look like a professional web designer. Pick one, customize the colors and fonts to match your brand, and voila. Plus, the drag-and-drop fluid engine is so easy, your grandma could build a site on Squarespace. Well, she did knit me a lovely scarf last Christmas. Maybe website design is next. Exactly. And when you're ready to sell your Nana's handmade scarves online, Squarespace has built-in e-commerce. Add a store with one click. Get flexible payment options. Then watch those sales roll in. And when she wants to teach others her steezy scarf skills, Squarespace's new courses feature is just the ticket. Nana can set up her curriculum and enrollments and payments in a snap and become the next e-knitting influencer. Wow, you really sold me with the grandma angle. Sign me up for that free try. Just go to thenextreel.com slash Squarespace and transform your site into a beautiful Squarespace masterpiece. Well, thanks, Pete. Even though it's overhyped, Squarespace actually sounds perfect for Nana's site's needs. Appreciate the warning on the ads, though. I'll brace myself next time I listen to a podcast. Anytime. Let me know if you need any help getting that site up and running. Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to support our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. Welcome. 
Welcome to Trailer Rewind, a monthly conversation about movies you may have missed in theaters that are now available to watch at home on streaming services. Every month we dig into the archives and watch a film that was one of the trailer picks on a Saturday matinee episode. You can get access to the Sat Matt shows over at patreon.com slash the next reel. It's a great way to get an overview of everything we do here at the next reel. And those are now available a couple days later for everyone. They are available exclusively to our Patreon supporters for a few days, and then we are now making them available to everyone. So getting access into that back catalog of sat mat shows and all that fun stuff will be there. And that's super good now because with the trailer rewind stuff being as its kind of origin there, I'm, I'm really glad that everybody gets to hear. Oh, exactly. And there's, there's so many great moments in there. Uh, just the lists. There's great conversations about the lists that you know are derived from the main show. Especially when our, you know, Patreon supporters over here in Discord are voting and we get sort of hedged into a corner with interesting topics. Uh, <laughs> right. Causes us to right. dig into the deep cuts sometimes. So, didn't yeah. they just do, fl- didn't you guys just do Flight of the Arrow? Like Arrow Flight video or something? Yeah, it was, yes, the based on the Robin Hood Prince of Thieves, which had that famous shot from the trailer of the camera sort of like on the arrow. Yeah, yeah. So, yes, it was a list of like Arrow POV shots, which ended up, uh, yeah different interpretations of what that meant with POV and flying arrows. Right. So, yeah. Great, great stuff over there on this app, Matt. But today we're going to be talking about Leave No Trace. This was Pete's pick from April 28th, 2018. And today is September 20th, 2019. And Leave No Trace is available on Amazon Prime and Canopy. It's not a drill. He's got him. Stand up. You alone out here? My daughter's with me. Dad? Let's go. Can you tell me where you live? In the park? There's 435 questions. Respond true or false to each question. Who taught you how to read? My dad teaches me. You're actually quite a bit ahead of where you need to be. I wake up rested and peaceful most mornings. True. My day-to-day life is full of things that keep me interested. True. I have nightmares or troubling dreams. Is your dad in the service? He was. Do you feel safe living with your dad? We didn't need to be rescued. Your dad needs to provide you shelter and a place to live. He did. So Leave No Trace was released in the theaters on June 29th, 2018. Had a really limited release that weekend, only nine screens. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming handful in New York, a handful in LA, yeah. and maybe up in Portland because that's where it's set. <laughs> this movie is I, all I, Portland all the time. It's yeah, awesome. There we go. Uh, but two weeks later, it expanded to over 300 screens, and it stayed in theaters all the way until October 4th. Oh, so that's, that's kind of good. Three, Three months, which is not bad for a film that wasn't on that many screens. It hit streaming services on September 25th and Blu-ray on October 2nd. And it is one of the few films with a 100% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? That's Yes, 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's really interesting. That's that's a... Red letter thing. We should be. That's something special about. This yes, uh, exactly. So we'll we'll see if our opinions match with the Rotten Tomatoes sure. crew. Yeah. Uh, 
So when Pete picked this trailer, he said he picked it because Ben Foster and Thomason McKenzie looked like this fantastic on-screen pair. He was looking forward to it not only because of it setting in his backyard. Yeah. Well, not literally his backyard, but the kinda. Portland area there. It kind of yes. is. And and I was going to say that must be the number one reason you picked it because it's so Portlandy. Well, plus it has this uh, father-daughter story and, you know, he, he having a daughter that, you know, enjoys time in the wilderness. Uh, things... Also, the things that uh, a story about things that we leave behind and what we do to integrate with societal norms also right. appealed to him, that aspect of it. Andy agreed wholeheartedly. He just wished the trailer didn't give away so much of the story. Oh, that's interesting. I, I Yeah. that. Well, we can get into how this story is really told because I think that'll kind of speak to where you get that feeling. This is our second film that's sort of set in that Portland area. So JJ, as, as a resident of that area, I have to ask why are so many kids in the Portland area living such hard lives? We had lean on Pete. <laughs> we've got leave no trace. What are you guys doing to the kids up there? Well, I don't know that it's just about kids, but I will say that um, the, the homeless here, there is a lot of people who I, I like in the, in this movie, they used the word unhoused, which I think is really yes. interesting as opposed to homeless. Cause there's a stigma associated with that word now. Um, so I liked how they addressed it that way. There is, is there is a, a large homeless population, a large unhoused population here, and uh, this this movie does a really interesting way of highlighting or or really taking a look, taking a lens to the different types of unhoused people um, that that are in the Portland area. I think a lot of it has to do with um, with climate because we one of the things about the Pacific Northwest is that we have the mildest weather in the country. In the summers it's relatively mild, it doesn't get too hot, and in the winters we just deal with rain, which we you see to some degree in this movie as well. So I don't know that it specifically has to do with kids, but in both cases we were dealing with uh, I think well we could say poverty, right? That we're dealing yes, with with yes. some measure of poverty or uh and again that kind of idea of being unhoused and I think that is a particular concern here in the Pacific Northwest and I think it's something that relates to other places in the country as well. Yeah, well it, it, the focus of the story is on this father and daughter that are that are unhoused and and living in a park and this I mean, we can talk about this whole story and I don't feel like we're really spoiling anything because it, it's so much of a character piece about the this segment of life for this father and daughter. And we start the story with them living in the woods and we get sort of the sense of their routine of, I mean, they're not... They're not out on a campground. I mean, they're they're in a park, but they're not authorized to be be there. And they have made a, a really solid life for themselves. They've got a, they've got a stove, they've got, you know, food, they have, you know, ways to entertain themselves. They've got daily chores, gardening, all of these things. Uh, we even get a little bit of the, the background of, well, how are, how is this a sustainable lifestyle? You can't just live off the land. They've we see they've got tarps, all these things. How are they acquiring these things? So we do see uh, their excursion into town, uh, dad picks up, uh, looks like some, some medication that he's got. Clearly we, we get some clues that he was in the military, some type of disability. He's on medication for, you know, PTSD or something, which he then trades for money, which they can then use by food, groceries, all of, right. all of those things. He so we get that general meds, sense yeah. of. Yes, because, uh, you know, they don't work, apparently, or he's chosen to live his life and he feels able to function without them. 
So we've got this great sense of their life cycle of, you know, living, you know, out on their own. Um, have no idea how long they've been doing it, have no idea of what conditions actually led them to make this choice. We we don't have a sense of, you know, how long his daughter's been there. She's acclimated, but kids are very flexible and, you know, can adapt very quickly. So it, you know, could be one year, two years. We don't know. We don't you know, have a, we have a reference to mom, but we don't know how long mom's been out of the picture. Right. But it's it's really the story of these two. And what upsets, of course, this balance in their life is uh, a jogger who is, you know, jogging through the park and thinks he sees sees Tom out there yeah. as she's Her she's name, reading. Yeah. yeah. Uh Tom is the daughter. And yeah, then all of a sudden we've got uh basically the the police, you know, sort of scouring the park with the Rangers looking for for them and they are found and put into uh uh, social services uh, to sort of find out what what's going on with them. You yeah. know, is this an abusive relationship? So we we get you know their transition through these pieces. They are placed into a housing situation where they should be able to slowly integrate themselves back into society. Yeah, and at this point, I, I definitely like if we yeah. talk about that part of the story, it is kind of important yeah. to talk about the geography of what we're dealing with here, um, because okay. people outside of Portland might not really understand what's going on in this story. And I think it is valuable to understanding the story. So for the, where they are in the forest is, is in particular, it's in a place called forest park, which is um, it's 5,200 acres and it is within the bounds of the city of Portland. So it's, it's, it's very odd. It's a very unique thing. The way it's described on its website on the forest park conservancy is that it's one of the largest urban forests in the United States. So you get this sense in the movie, they do a great job of immersing us in the forest, right? We are living in the forest and you might get the kind of feeling like, how can they be here and there at the same time? It's one of the unique things about Portland. They have this there, especially when you talk about the jogger that found them. They also, as they make their way into town, you talk about that a little bit, they cross over the St. John's Bridge, this sort of beautiful bridge on one edge of on one edge of Forest Park. It's used in a lot of different things because it's very beautiful. Um, Portland is known for its bridges and what's not. But all of this stuff is accessible to them in this forest. Now, the part, the reason why I wanted to chime in at this point and talk about the geography of the situation is because when they are found and when they are moved into this sort of work housing situation, they address the distance that they begin to cover as they are donated this situation. But they move into what appears to be Washington. So they go across the river, across the, the Columbia River, and then are into a place which is probably somewhere north of Vancouver, Washington, and basically takes them away from everything that made their life easy to live in the forest in Portland. So it's this weird sort of dichotomy. It's this weird mix of even though they were living on the land in the forest, they had they were everything was accessible to them. And now they move into this social work housing situation that's actually more distanced from everything. And it's a very disorienting situation for our for uh, Ben Foster, for our, our lead, for dad. And it opens up a whole new realm of things for Tom as she goes there. So it's it was a really, you know, knowing the geography in Portland, you kind of get a sense of that if you don't know it here. But it is a it's a terribly isolating move at the same time, forcing them into a social situation that he's going to have anxiety with. So, again, just part of the story there, I think, is really interesting when you think about what's actually happening in the geography of this area. Well, the yeah, the way that everything is filmed early on in the forest, it's just it's the lush greens, it's quiet, it's peaceful, and then when they they make their excursion, they're walking across the bridge. It is just the 
overwhelming noise of, of the, the city, city yeah. of traffic and all of that. So we've got that the dichotomy of their peaceful life and the city. And we, we get a sense of why they would choose that. I mean, yeah. we're getting into sort of their mindset. So then, yes, when we are, when they're placed in the home, it's done in a way that is to try to get them into a place that's more comfortable or familiar. And the idea is, well, here's a, it's basically a Christmas tree farm. You know, it's a place where they, so you're, you're near trees. It's, it's a more rural location. It's far away from the city, but I, you know, again, that sort of shows the, the short sightedness of or lack of understanding of their lifestyle yep. choice. It's we're here. We, they still have access to all the things they need in the city. Now they're, they're being removed and put into a, a very dependent situation yeah, where, caged, really. yes, exactly. But as they say, we still have our own, we can think our own thoughts. Right. And it's, which is, it, it may be interesting to note too, that Christmas trees are the number one export of Oregon to the world. <laughs> I don't know if that matters, but yeah, that, that was one thing that I thought was interesting. It's very, it's very based on reality. This whole movie is based on a real situation. And you mentioned the lush forest. I want to say right away, you usually wait to talk about camera till the end. The camera in this movie, in particular, the color temperature that's being mm-hmm. used yes. in the forest and everything that's used to explain their lifestyle is just gorgeous i love this color and you don't see it enough for me it it reads very true it reads very actual it has this sort of blue tint to it about the forest out there and i really liked it i don't remember a whole lot of camera shots that were super interesting to me but that color is just ever present and because of that blue tint of the camera the greens just pop in this green thing and every time you change uh change venues you get a really sort of stark contrast because you're really it really reads in this true fashion about the way that we see color in the world, I think. Well, I think even the way a lot of those scenes are filmed, particularly when they've been discovered and they're, they're on the run, it's wide shot. So it's, it's little people in a sea of green, you know, foliage, just, you know, and in their clothing, they, you know, they've, they've chosen colors to, to easily camouflage themselves. And then you've got the police in there, you know, Blue windbreakers and all of that. But it's, uh, yeah, that's the one thing that makes me wish I'd seen this in the theater is just, you've got some of the the close-ups and medium shots as they're in camp. And then when when they're fleeing through the forest, it goes so wide that, you know, people are small. And to me, it gave me just the sense of, how huge this this park is that it, it is truly a, a forest it's not just oh you know an acre or so of land that they i mean you can easily get lost there which oh, it's massive. sort of supports yeah. supports the idea that they could be living there and no one would would ever know there's a children's um, book series called the wildwood i think it's a trilogy it was written by um the uh a leader of a, one of the bands out here and it mm-hmm. imagines a whole Narnia style universe that happens within Forest Park. So that it just gives you this the idea of, you know, the real immensity of what Forest Park is to Portland here. Ah, okay. See, I actually I'm familiar with that book series because the uh, that's Colin Malloy from the December. That's right. And uh, yep. uh I think one or both of my kids may have read a couple of the books nice. in that series. I did not know that it was based on on that park. Yep. All right there. Little, and the interesting thing, that at the beginning of Wildwood, when the the kiddo gets kidnapped and taken into the forest, they are right across that bridge. 
that they go on oh, in, in okay. the St. John's Bridge. You know, and this is becoming a little bit of a Portland geography lesson, but then in the movie too, right <laughs> after they cross the bridge, they're crossing north into St. John's and then they are way south of the city or on the south side of downtown on the aerial tramway to lead up to the VA center. So they clearly like took Uber or something to get away from that or they're just really <laughs> wanting to show you the pretty shots in the camera. But um, I, I think it's probably the pretty shots. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> So we yeah so we have that that transition and I I, I want to backtrack a little bit okay. to when they're sort of in custody and they're trying to find out you know sort of their their health situation and so we have to me which was a, a really telling scene um, with uh, the father who's given a it's like 400 and something question oh, survey yes. of like yes and no. And it's, it's, it's computer based and it, it, it gives him a phrase and he's got to say true or false. And he's only got three seconds to respond. And the first couple, you know, he's able to respond and then it starts asking some really odd questions to sort of get at any underlying trauma mental or mental health. Yeah. Mental health. And he shuts down and we, we do a cutaway to Tom working with one of the counselors and, you know, asking about, you know, her living conditions. But then we come back to dad. It's, you know, he's just shut down and the, the computer is just beeping at him incessantly. And the, the counselor comes in to say, look, you, you can't, you can't opt out of this. You, you have to, you know, answer these questions. And so he sits down with him and, uh, to me in a very realistic move, you know, says, you know, you know, ask a question about his daughter. Are you proud of your daughter? Yeah, oh, yeah. That's she's, a, she's, she's, she's a great kid. You've done a great job raising her. And that's something that, you know, comes out really well through this sequence is here's a kid that's, you know, basically been homeschooled. Who's well above average, um, in intelligence. She's ahead of her peers at school. You know, if she were to be in school, uh, you know, healthy, you know, not traumatized. I mean, this is just a kid that's, you know, for lack of a better phrase, this is an alternate lifestyle that her father is raising her in. But society has said this, this is not acceptable. But it, there's there's no indicators of that there's any harm to her. Uh, you know, her, she's not lacking in education. So to me, it I can see that the, it builds the case for why they should be allowed to live their life. There's, there's no downside right, exactly. for, for them. He's doing a great job of raising a, a kid who's, she's able of taking care of herself. Yep. She's got her choice. You know, it's this, he taught so her all the right things. Get, right. So then when they get caged, um, we feel that sort of closing in on him, but it does, this is sort of our pivot for Tom because Again, we don't know how long she's been, you know, in the forest with dad, but she's now at an age sort of in adolescence there where socialization becomes more of a key aspect of our development. Usually. What and is she? She's 16, 15. I don't remember exactly. I don't, I, it, I, like I don't know that it, it says is what they kind yes. of in, infer. 14 ish, maybe. Yeah. yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say. I don't think we get a specific age on her, but clearly in that in that realm and she has a you know it's a real short sequence where she just happens to be walking along the road stumbles across a rabbit that's just hanging yeah. out on the road yeah. uh tracks down the owner who's a kid that's you know a local kid who's involved in future farmers of america and 4-h and um you know you can see the appeal 
for her of someone who's you know spends time in the wilderness and nature that oh here's here's the thing he's interested in nature agriculture and all of that and so we she has this connection with yeah. him and she spends the af- afternoon with him of here's somebody else that enjoys nature and she you know of course who who can resist a cute fluffy rabbit um, <laughs> what's the rabbit's name chainsaw chainsaw yes which <laughs> <laughs> a cute fluffy yeah. rabbit named chainsaw right that right. is irresistible 100 <laughs> percent irresistible Exactly. Uh, but it's it's the seed is sort of planted there because he's talking about a project of his, like his tiny house that yeah. he's going to build. Yeah. Um, so it's all these very things. Very Portland, she's by the see- way. Tiny house. Oh, very yes. Portland. I love it. Tiny house. And it, it's you can sort of see the wheels turning of, well, maybe there's a way to still live that simple life. Yeah. That that she's accustomed to, without having to be isolated so from other people. Yeah. So yeah. So she spends significant amount of time there because we then come back to to dad at home wondering where tom is mm-hmm. and of course we get the the typical scene of here's here's a parent sitting on a couch the lights on just sort of staring forward waiting for the kid to come in through the door right. to just you know every teenager has had this experience of i've been out too late i'm walking in and here's here's dad just sort of stewing mm-hmm. um but of course, this is not a typical family, so we we don't get yelling. Right. We you know they they have uh, I think a a great uh, communication and rapport with each other in this scene where you know Tom she knows she's like look I'm I'm sorry for for making you worry about me she she knows what's going on but on the other hand she is now feeling the pull yeah in another direction yeah and this is where I think we start. We, the conflict between the two starts to we see some cracks, I guess, right. in the relationship, and um, it's because this is a this is a film where, again, because it's character driven, we we don't have like a ticking clock mechanism. We don't have a big bad out there. It's not like there. It's not like a couples on the run movie where it's like oh we've got to escape the cops and it's like you know a thriller where there's suspense it's just we're we're watching episodes in in their relationship play out over time and for me this is sort of the the next phase starts after this uh dialogue between the two of them because we see that tom is starting to withdraw a little bit or or is more content to stay uh because she makes the argument you know but look yeah we're we're, we're living here but we still have freedom. We can still think our own thoughts, which is, you know, she's starting to, her dad's but she's phrase. starting to plant yeah. roots. I mean, really that's, yes. that's what she is. She's starting to become rooted. Yeah. Which of course then causes dad to decide it's time to hit the road again. <laughs> Cause he can't handle it. He can't handle it. Well, he's, uh, you know, I think working on the tree farm may not be the most, you know, exciting thing. And there is, there is one scene, a real brief shot of him sort of like hunched down between the trees, perhaps resting. But then we, we do get a lot of the helicopters, you know, bringing the trees that have been cut down to the, to the truck. And it's one of those things where it's perhaps suggesting the helicopters, it's triggers, triggering some memories, some flashbacks. We, we, we aren't explicitly told any of those things, but I think it's sort of, implied or suggested that that's contributing to a little bit of his anxiety in addition to, you know, living that, you know, cage life in the house. But it's just sort of, you see the build coming with him and to the point where it's like, Hey, we're, we're out of here. Right. You know, we're done. 
the, the counselors had been pushing him to get her enrolled in school to work through this whole legal process. And he said, like, they've, they've got all these things they want us to do. We're going to live our own life. And so hit the road again, which I think is probably the the worst choice he made. Yeah. Well, of, of many, many bad choices, because we I don't know. There, there's debatable he, ones that he keeps going into. But yeah. But we we don't have a clear destination. They, nope. they hitch a ride with a trucker. They end up in the woods and they're hiking. And Tom says, well, you know, I thought you said there were going to be cabins. And he's like, well, I thought there would be. So he doesn't have a clear destination, a plan. He's hoping to to luck into something or, or just hopeful that they're going to figure out a way to survive. And it starts to take its toll on Tom. We've got leaky boots, really rainy, cold weather. Uh, we know now they're they're in Washington for sure because the truck driver says, "Oh, we've now passed into Washington." Yep. They're at a higher altitude; it's cold. Uh, Tom's fingers are going numb. You know, it's not a safe or healthy situation. We've moved from trusting Dad to do the right thing for his daughter to now, for me, questioning whether what he's doing is driven by doing what's best for for he and Tom, or if it's now his anxiety, stress, whatever, that's now driving him more than concern and safety of his daughter. One of the things that's really beautiful about this story for this character is that when he was settled in his original position, he was fine. It was only when he was pushed to anxiety that he started making really bad, unsafe decisions for his daughter. Yes. So you, you you know, about this character, I think, I, I think this character piece talking about this person who's gone through all this is really sort of handling him with care because they see that there have been accommodations made for he and his daughter uh, until he can't mentally do it anymore. And that's and that's why when you say that this was the initial, this is probably the initial very bad decision. But then he continues to make yes. worse decisions because, again, he's starting to feel desperate. He's starting to feel anxious for his situation. And uh, they do end up finding a cabin and they do end up, but he's still, they're still not safe. And it leads to some really scary stuff. Well, yeah, you think, well, we get to sense of we're going to get back into that routine we've we've got a cabin clearly there there's squatters in the cabin uh but there's not enough food uh and maybe they're thinking of just he's thinking we'll we'll stay out the the rain or the cold and and then move on but he's gonna figure out how to he looks at the map he's gonna go get some supplies we see them making a grocery list of things that he's gonna get and he he leaves which is something they've done before, but typically they go, we've seen them go together. He's going to go do it himself. He tells Tom, he tells her, you know, make sure to get some kindling before it gets dark and save the matches and all of that. And he doesn't come back at night. So the next morning she goes out to look for him and we, we don't know exactly what happened to him. I mean, clearly he, it was, they were, he stumbled, tripped, fell something because he's unconscious on a log down near the river. Um, Tom f- is able to find just some guys out on ATVs, take him back to a RV commune of some sort. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. An RV commune. And the, there's a f- former army medic there. And we see that, you know, you know, dad will played by Ben Foster. His foot is, you know, toes broken, mangled something, you know, he's, right. he's injured. He's not going anywhere for, 
for a while. Um, so again, we've gotten to the place of trying to make it out there and now coming back to sort of a, a simpler, you know, somewhat more civilized life in a, in a community um, now. So they're, they're not alone. They're amongst some like-minded people who like living simply uh, away from, you know, the big city and, uh, you know, singing songs around a campfire, raising bees, uh, all the things that really appeal to Tom at this point. She right. seems to, have, you know, fit in right at home here. Um, this, these are her kind of people. Um, and at this point, I was kind of curious where this story is going to go at this point, because I thought we've we've seen them content on their own, uh, you know, being forced into sort of captivity, pushing back against it. And now it seems like this is the perfect balance for everything. Is this is this going to be the, the tipping point where, you know, Will went out on his own, got hurt. He tries to give him time. He's like, no, no, don't worry. That's, that's not going to happen again. Right. Uh, but there's no, I don't know what he's basing that on. They've got, you know, they've got a, a small place that they're living in that they can rent. Uh, seems like, okay, dude, you, you, you've tried this a couple of times and it's not working. Here's the safe way to take care of your kid. Why not stick with this? And, you know, he's even got the, the army medics even allowed, you know, Tom to have his dog, which he said has, has helped him through right. his, you know, nightmares and, and all of that, whatever he's gone through after having been in the army saying, hey, this this may help your father. And it does to some degree, but still he can't yeah. do it. And um, it's just it's so brutal that, you know, Tom's finally found her place. It's not something that can work. That was the the turn that really surprised me on this of the decision that he makes to leave. And then we, we get some, we do get a little bit of a hint of that because uh, as uh, Tom has, uh, is helping, uh, what's her name, Dale, who's gone shopping and she, they're unloading some of the groceries and, and Dale's putting some into a bag and she says, oh, this is for a friend who, who lives out there in the, out in the forest, out in the wilderness. And she takes the bag, puts it up there. And she says, I know he's still out there because when I, you know, the, the food, you know, somebody comes and takes the food and right. it's, it's been years. And so she knows he's still okay out there. So we get a sense that even within this sort of like RV community, there are those that are further out yeah. um, that have, have some ties to that. And that sort of, for me, sets the, I guess it foreshadows a little bit of what, what's going to happen with Will because he, is going to take off out there and you know tom has put money down on the rv she wants to stay these are her people and we have this to me amazingly silent or quiet yet powerful confrontation between will and tom as you know he has decided to go he's yeah. able to be mobile out in the woods on his yeah. feet you know tom says he he still needs more time to heal but he's you know, convinced that it's time to go. And so they're, they're walking and then she stops. And it's, it's one of these scenes where there's not a lot that's said, but there is so much that's communicated between these two. And both actors and, do a wonderful job. Oh my gosh. It's beautiful yes. with them together. It's a father and daughter. I mean, they are fully, fully bought in. They're fully clicked in. How was that scene for you? Thinking about your girls. 
I, it was funny because I watched this one with my youngest and I wasn't sure how she was going to respond to this movie because, you know, she's a big Marvel fan. She likes, sure. you know, and this is a quiet movie. A lot of space. And it's yeah. not a lot of space, but she really enjoyed it. And I think it just comes, it's, it's several things that work together so well. It's, it's a story that's well paced and it, you know, as we've talked through it, it you, there's these little cycles and everything just builds logically. Um, and it's, it's the characters that you connect with, or you're compelled by these performances that help you get through this and navigate this because yeah, there's, there's not much to it, but there is so much about the relationship between these two. Um, yeah, no, that scene at the end, it's, it's tough as a parent of again, knowing that if you've done a good job raising your kids at some point they're going to say oh, i'm ready to go on my own yeah and that's the simplest example of what they're dealing with there because yeah. there's so much more yeah. to you know i oh, I've, yeah i've made no uh no allusions to the fact that i i i'm i'm a huge ben foster fan like ben foster is one of my oh, favorite yeah. s- smaller name actors in hollywood i love everything that i've seen him do except you know that run in hostiles was a little tough for me but um, but in general, I just love watching him on screen. I think he is really versatile. I think he can do this stoic, emotional thing really well, where everyone sees the emotions raging in him, but he holds it in. That's something that's yeah. really powerful to see as an actor, and I think that's wonderful. After this scene that you're talking about, though, it's one of my frustrating shots of the film in that they give us an aerial or an overhead shot of dad walking away oh, and then into yeah. the woods which is fine um it, 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 i get it you know they're showing the largeness of where he's disappearing into and yeah. all this stuff but it's a it's a camera angle that is completely unwarranted it, it, it you know they do that a couple times to good effect early in the film when they're in yeah. forest park for example and they're trying to show us how they're hiding from people or their drills and stuff like that they're trying to give us a sense of what that is I understand why they did it here, but for that character's departure, it wasn't, it, it seemed misplaced to me because that camera was clearly on a jib or, you know, clearly hoisted yeah. in some fashion um, to go up there. And it's like, it, it, it didn't connect to the scene in the way that I wanted it to. Um, I, again, I think it's probably a risk and I just, it wasn't the right thing for me. Um, in terms of the whole story, um, the film it's a great film. I think it's interesting you mentioned that Rotten Tomatoes gives it 100 from the critics. It's not from the audience, yeah. but it's from the critics. I think, um, you know, the the performances are spectacular. They're all very personal performances. But in terms of story, this is not really a story-driven film. There, uh, it's, there aren't really specific crises and there isn't really a pace to the movie that goes up and down you aren't going to you aren't going to necessarily feel like you have a climax and a and a turn or anything like that so that in general makes it i think for a lot of people this movie movie would be kind of boring you have to be bought in to the dynamic the reason why i asked you the question about the father daughter thing you have to be bought into that dynamic or you have to have a a care about you know the geography or the or the unhoused situation or something like that to really buy into what's going on with these characters or you have to just appreciate what's being delivered to you here by the actors otherwise the film is pretty it's pretty drab um it's watching a film to see this dramatic recreation of what these people went through so in general, it was hard for me because the story wasn't strong. It was like a documentary. The story was a documentary shot like a beautiful film is kind of how I felt about it. <laughs> it's it's interesting that you say that. I, it, I mean, I agree. I, I think 
the scenes up front establish the relationship, and I think the performances from Ben Foster and uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, you, I think you, you, you care about those characters early on oh, yeah. because it's Definitely. that it's that that here's here's two people that are that are smart enough to sort of be self sufficient, um, and it's the relationship is a mature relationship, but you know, it's, it's almost like the idealized, you know, father, daughter, there's, there's mutual respect and there's collaboration. And we, we don't, you know, we, we don't see the typical, you know, conflicts between parent and, and teenager here. So I, I think the strength of that is what will, will draw people in. And if that grabs you early on, then I think, yeah, you're along for the ride and it's got, it's got its hooks in you and you're going to go through this, this roller coaster, emotional roller coaster at the end, uh, with them. If, if you buy into that early on, if, 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 if you don't, yeah, this probably isn't the film for you. If watching these two, uh, doesn't, doesn't grab you and you're not compelled to find out what happens to them. Yeah. You're probably going to be interested in something else. The fact that you say it's sort of a documentary, this is actually based on a novel oh. called My Abandonment, yeah. My Abandonment by Peter Rock, um, which the novel was inspired by true events involving a father and daughter found living in Forest Park. Yep. Believe it. So there, I'll put a link in the show notes to, um, there's a, a video of Peter Rock talking about his discovery of this story and how it inspired him because what the true story is, is it's very similar to the majority of the movie because it's, there was a jogger running and he saw somebody and it turns out there's this father and daughter and so much, you know, the, the film draws from so much of that, which is, yes, yeah, she was, you know, above average intelligence. They even say like, they were surprised she had no cavities. They're, you know, healthy, all of this. They, they find them placement in a, in a home and then they disappeared. And that's where the true story ends. Right. Nobody knows what happened to him. They took off into the woods and who knows. Yeah. But Peter Rock said, I I I want to know what happens next. And so he wrote, <laughs> he, he, he wrote the book. I love it. And I think that I think the novel probably has a lot more from the summary I read, I think there's a lot more conflict and drama to it. I think perhaps the film went back to sort of the spirit of the original true story. Um, to, to keep things pretty straightforward and simple, because uh, like I said there's not a lot of high drama right. uh, in the in this here. Uh, but yeah, I can see again it, it does have that very much documentary style feel to it because it is just here's these things that happen to these people. Right, exactly that. Yeah. So I sort of talked about who I think is the audience for this film based on if you, if that beginning scene grabs you. Uh, like I said, I was surprised my my daughter, who's uh, 17, really enjoyed it. But I think there's a, something about the the calmness that was comforting as well. It's sort of nice to watch a movie where you don't have explosions and you don't have jump scares and you, it's not... <laughs> It's not assaulting you. Sure. It's sort of just cozying up to you and whispering to it you. It was a good palate um, cleanser for me after It Chapter 2. I will say that. <laughs> okay. I wasn't scared <laughs> to watch this movie. <laughs> okay. So being up there in Portland, do you, are there a lot of people you know that have seen this? Or is this sort of still off the radar? No, but I, I were, in, you know, as you're telling me the story about Pete, Peter, is it Peter Rock? Yeah. I, when you tell yeah. me that story, I, I seem to re remember when the movie came out that that was, that that was the case, that there was this sort of legend 
you know, for lack of a better word, yeah. this legend of this, this these people that were in Forest Park. And I think, um, you know, generally there's this sort of, uh, there's a little bit of a belief of these kind of living situations um, in the area. And we talked a little bit about that at the beginning of the show, that there's this unhoused mentality uh, that is um, kind of okay, that's kind of acceptable in this area. So I think that that connects with a lot of people in Portland and they want to see that. I think the different versions of the unhoused community that you see in this story and the way that the 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 community uh, tried to place them in this idea of mercy that actually wasn't really helpful to them, I think is a really important statement uh, in, in, in film or in media to be out there right now. And I think that's uh, that's something interesting. I saw a viral posting just the other day where they were saying that if we just provided free houses for mm-hmm. every homeless yeah. person in the country, we would actually save money uh, oh, other yeah. than the money that it takes to care for them on the streets. And I just think that's really interesting. Um, I think that's a, a dynamic solution and movies like this are the kind of things that can, that uh, allow us to see that it's not, there's not just, it's not a monolith. There's not one kind of unhoused person in the world. There's, right. there's different situations that deserve our attention. If, if you're a fan of this movie, you may also want to check out the film that was made prior to this by director, uh, Deborah Gronick, uh, yeah. which was Winter, Winter's Bone in 2010 oh, sure. with Jennifer with with Jennifer Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, again, similar, I think, tone. That one's a little bit more of like a film noir. There's a, a larger sort of mystery that's being solved there, but I think just the the feel of it is similar. And again, it's again a story of sort of like adolescent young teen girl tr- finding her place. Uh, in a world that is uh, less than ideal, in the, in the like, Ozarks, it, so yes, in Missouri, in the, in the Ozarks, yeah. yes. So if now if people have seen Winter's Bone and enjoyed it, I'd say definitely check out Leave No Trace cool. as well. So where does this one fall on your flick chart? And it's based on. It's yeah. a weird thing for me. I, I think generally, you know, listening to our discussion about it, you'd think that I'd be kind of positive to it. But I think that, you know, something that happens with me a lot in movies, I, I do care about the way that it's visually shot. But I really get focused on story. And this movie, it, for me, it wasn't that deep of a story. I, I think it's important. I think it's I think it's, it's a good movie. It's definitely going to be a like for me. But it ended up pretty low on my flick chart because I just couldn't rank it above these sort of you know, fiction pieces of yeah. art that I really like. So it ended up low, but it ended up between two other trailer rewind movies. It's at 151 for me. That's 151 out of 213. So that's pretty low, but it's between just below Jonathan, which again, you know, talking oh, okay. about something that's, you know, kind of inspired and inspired fiction, that kind of thing. And then just above don't think twice, which is again, something that's probably oh, really yeah. based in reality. Um, but, but is sort of a documentary or an expose of, of, um, of the comedy culture of uh, improv. Right. So it goes right in that area for me. I think leave no trace is a little bit more inspired in terms of filmmaking than don't think twice, but in general, I think it really fits into that space for me. Uh, I, even though it's so low on the flick chart, I'm still, I would give it three stars and a like, um, because oh, I think okay. it's a good right. movie. I just don't, it's not one that I would choose. Okay. See, that's, and again, maybe it's the, having the teenage daughters in the house sure. thing that makes this story resonate with me uh, a little bit more parenting choices. And, you know, I've got one off in college and maybe that was part of the, the whole, like, and, and one that'll be, you know, graduating high school this year. And maybe that's, you know, this idea of like 
the the kid that's ready to move on her own and have her own life. And, you know, as she says, you know, the things that are wrong with you aren't wrong with me. You know, right. there's, I'm a different person. And so for that's me, it great, ended up a lot higher. Line. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so out of 447, it ended up at number 30. Oh, wow. So it's, it's, it's way that's up there really and it's, it's really high. It's just above Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse mm-hmm. and just below Wind River, which oh, I don't know yeah, if you've I know seen what Wind River. Is. I haven't yeah. seen it, but okay. I know it. Yeah. 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 That's, I don't know that that's your type of thing because no. it does get quite intense. That's Jeremy Renner, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, but this one, intense I, is I, his middle name. Just, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so this one, I, I end up with four and a half stars and like, cause it just yeah. really, I, again, I'm a big fan of like the Terrence Malick. So stuff that is very deliberate and quiet and just letting it slowly present itself to you is stuff I love. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's really high up there. And that makes sense to me. For I can me. totally accept yeah. that because there's yeah. really nothing wrong with this movie. No, this, I, this, this is one of these movies where I, it's, it's inoffensive to any, it, it offends no one. Exactly. I, I don't know. I mean, clearly if you just want more action, you want entertainment, you want something a little more upfront. Yes, this won't be for you, but these are these films. This is one of these films where I think there's no reason why a whole family couldn't sit down and just watch this. And it's, it's PG. How often do you no, get a, a PG movie? Wow. Yeah. Well, you think about it. What do, what do we have? We've got, uh, Tom gets like a, a cut on her hand. Yeah. You know, we've got dad's, dad's foot is a little Mangled. bloody. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no swearing because you know, neither of these people, you know, Will and, and Tom, they don't, you know, yeah. that's just, they're, they're even killed people. Exactly. Uh, they, you know, they, they don't. And so it's something that I, I appreciate movies like this, that a family can watch and enjoy and, and maybe talk about whether yeah, it's, it's a family drama, such as, that's interesting. as uh, you know, of, of being unhoused of, you know, there's the, the social piece to that. There's the dynamic of family of, you know, kids growing up and being ready to be independent and, and life skills. And there's so many things that, I understand why it's a hundred percent, you know, fresh because these films don't come out that often or of this quality where you've got the writing and just, I think great performances. I had, I had to find out what Thomason McKenzie has been doing. Cause I thought, what has she got going on next? Uh, we'll be able to see her later this year in Taika Waititi's Jojo rabbit. Yes. Which I'm super excited about. That's in October yes. as well. Um, yes, you know it's, exactly. it's a satirical uh, take on uh, some uh, some World War II <laughs> stuff. I and I love yes. Watiti, so I, I'm excited for that. So yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing her in that. So that's because uh, that, it's one of these. You, sometimes you'll get these 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 you know teen actors that come out of nowhere, and sometimes they they find a path, and sometimes they maybe do a movie or two and decide that's not for them. But this is one where I thought. You know, to ca- to carry the film with Ben Foster and just uh, again, this is just it reminds you know this one reminds me a lot of uh, Hunt for the Wilder People, right? Again, of another film that's just great family, well written, great performances. One that yeah, I'll, I'll love watching every couple of years because it's just such a solid film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, for our listeners out there, if you haven't already, please head over to iTunes and give us a rating and review. It helps other film fans discover us. And if you choose to support us on Patreon, you're joining a great community of film fans, including some that are really into film as art and some that just enjoy entertaining movies. And we'd love to have you as part of that community. 
Trailer Rewind would not be possible without the efforts of the talented Pete Wright, who edits our episodes. It would be a hot mess without you. Thank you, Mr. Wright. JJ. Yes. I I, I know what we're going to be doing next month. Okay. I, I looked ahead, and based on something you said in the film board episode just the other yeah. day for it chapter two so we're actually going back to the same sat matt episode cool. but this time it's going to be it's going to be andy's pick woman walks alone oh no no woman walks ahead walks ahead sorry woman yes, walks yes, ahead yes. with yep your favorite jessica chastain see now all we need is a movie with ben foster and jessica yes. chastain oh i need to do some research that, we, <laughs> Yes, we got to get their agents on the phone. I will be super happy. This is what I've learned over my, my, the next real life lifeline is that those two, those two, uh, I like everything they do. Yeah. So it's time. So it's time to get them together. So it's out there on, uh, I think it's on Canopy. It's on Amazon Prime. So if anybody wants to, to get ahead and watch that one, uh, before our next episode next month, uh, we'll be talking about woman walks ahead, which is about, uh, what is this set in the 1890s? And a woman goes out to paint a portrait of Sitting Bull, and we get involved in, I'm sure, the politics of what's going on with sure. you know, the American government and uh, the Lakota people out there and their rights to their land. So, so it's Hostiles Meets Far and Away? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you're gonna, no, I'm excited to see it. We, you know... We, you may be, re, you know, regretting that statement because that may be exactly what you're going to get. <laughs> Don't say that. We will see. Well, JJ, it's been great having this conversation with you after our film ended. I'm looking forward to our next one next month. See you next month. Hondo. I love the conversations that so many of our hosts have had on their shows. Steve and JJ on Trailer Rewind, Ray and Ocean on Silver Linings, even Tommy's short-lived No, No, Wait, Hear Me Out. And so many films they've discussed started out as a book, a play, or even a TV series. Well, now you can support our whole family of podcasts by using our new Originals page to buy the original source material used to inspire films covered on our shows. Just visit thenextreel.com slash originals. Your purchases made through our links give us a small commission at no extra cost to you and allow us to keep having these fantastic conversations. It's a wonderful way to support the show. Producing these podcasts week after week require a ton of work behind the scenes. If you'd like to help support our efforts, try using our originals page when shopping for books and movies that we've covered. It's your one-stop shop for Amazon and Apple links where you can buy the book, play, video game, movie, etc. upon which the movie is based. Original material for trailer rewind movies like If Beale Street Could Talk, The Goldfinch, Aniara, or The Two Faces of January, or Silver Linings movies like Repo Men, which was based on the repossession Mambo. Plus, by using those links to buy books, Amazon and Apple show us a little bit of love, which allows you to support our family of shows with minimal effort. Visit thenextreel.com slash originals. It's a fantastic way to support the show and find a great book to read. That's right. Head over to thenextreel.com slash originals to find your next read and get started today. Mm-hmm.